Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, you guys get to hear from Katie Casada, And I got to hear Katie some years ago speaking at a women's conference. And she really blew my mind. And what's interesting is she blew my mind then in advance of the work she's doing now, which is in her zone of genius. So it's it's no surprise that she left that to do this, and I'll let her tell you a little bit more about that. Katie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's so great to be here, and I've loved seeing all your past episodes and just amazing guests you've had on and just the cool movement that you've created. So it's a privilege to join you and join the show. Thank you for being with us. And just in full transparency, Katie, ladies, is not quite at the 40 mark. This is an expert episode, so we are <laughs> staying true to our motto that we're only focusing on stories 40 plus. But every once in a while, there's an expert out there that we just need to have on the show. And you know, I believe that cross-generationally is how we're going to learn from one another. So, but I just wanted to say that before anybody pointed out like, hey, wait a minute. And I'm knocking on the door of 40. I'm closer to 40 than 30. So we're getting closer. We're getting there, but we need your expertise. So first, just tell us a little bit about what you do as a story coach. Yeah. So I'm a speaker and a storytelling coach. I help people and companies tell better stories. And all the work I do is condensing information. So I don't do long form storytelling or I don't help people write books. There's great people out there who help people do that. What I do is I help people talk about themselves and their experiences or the work they do or the company they're a part of in a way that is concise and compelling and really find and create that really amazing narrative that's living in there somewhere. So that's the work that I get to do. How did you get here? Because this isn't like a traditional path, Katie. Let's be honest. Yes, it is not. So years ago, I was speaking at women's events and conferences where you saw me and where we had a nice little moment in Pasadena a million years ago. And now I don't live there anymore. But I was running these events, these large events for women. Hundreds and hundreds of women would come. It was going great. Things were good. I was speaking at them. I would fly in speakers. But we brought in a woman named Dr. Tama Bryant-Davis, who's amazing, out of Pepperdine University. If anyone follows her, you should follow her on all the things. She's written a bunch of books, and she's fantastic. But we brought her in to speak, and she stood on the stage on a Friday night, and I was, like, behind the curtain on the side on, like, a little stool, you know, watching her. And she said, did you know there is a Barnes & Noble of untold stories sitting in this room? And I felt this like really significant feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to speak here anymore. And I'm not supposed to bring in speakers anymore. I'm supposed to teach these people how to tell their stories. Hmm. Like the really good stories are in the room, not on the stage. 
And I knew that she was right. You know, I knew that. I was like, oh, that's it. That's the whole thing is that everyone has these incredible stories and I just have to figure out how to find them. So for the next two years, when I was at that organization, I flipped the script. I didn't really tell my boss and kind of just didn't really talk to anyone about it. And I just stopped bringing in speakers and I stopped speaking there. And I would behind the scenes sit with a panel of women in each age bracket. So I made sure it was like someone in 20s and 30s, 40s and 50s, 60s and 70s, and of all different ethnicities. And I would sit behind the scenes with them. It was pretty much every month or every other month. And for a couple weeks, I would find someone amazing who had an amazing life story. And they would sit across from me and I would say, tell me your story. And usually in about an hour and a half, it would take them on average. Sometimes it's three hours, sometimes it's 10 minutes, you know, just depending on people's brevity or their, I mean, there's so many pieces to that, but they would tell me their life story. And then I would help them say it from the stage in six minutes. So I did that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I got this muscle built up where I could help someone. They'd tell me their life story and help them say it on a platform from six to eight minutes. If they'd never had speaking experience before, you know, 50% of the time people would say to me, no, and then call me back two weeks later and be like, okay, I will, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I'm like, okay, great, great, great. And I can help them have that confidence to do it. So I did this over and over again. And then things went south at that job and my life felt like it was falling apart. And my husband and I had multiple miscarriages between our two kids and like, you know, those seasons of your life where you're like hitting dead ends just over and over and over and over again. Yeah. My husband and I simultaneously sold everything we owned, moved into an RV so that we could continue to save for a house in Los Angeles, which is not a cheap place to live especially when you want to quit your job. So I quit my job. We moved into an RV full time. And I started to tell people that I was a storytelling coach. <laughs> in the beginning, my husband was like, okay. okay. You know, and my parents were like, oh, you know, like <laughs> she's a storytelling coach, you know? And people all the time are like, what is that? And I'm like, I'll figure it out. And so I did. And now five years later, thankfully, I work with incredible companies, amazing people. My husband quit his job. He works for the consulting firm. And this is all we do. So it worked. And that has been, you know, a really amazing journey for us as a family. And, you know, just it turns out there's a million people with amazing stories who need them told, which sure. I think we all know that already. Sure. Um, so it's been a huge gift. And now I get to lead corporate workshops, keynotes, speak at events, work with amazing women who have incredible stories. So that's fantastic. Okay. You snuck something in there about selling all your things and moving <laughs> yes. into a 180 square foot RV. Tell us what was the motivation behind that? Yeah. So when all of life was falling apart, my husband and I, and then a group of our friends together, we bought like a really junky nineties RV off of Craigslist, like exactly whatever's in your head, that RV, you know what I mean? Okay. Like wood paneling carpet so bad. Um, you know, it was like $3,000 or something. I don't even know how much it was, but we pooled all of our then money at the time and it was like, let's get this thing. And then we renovated it and we took it on a couple trips and we had a two-year-old daughter at the time. And we came back from one of those trips, my husband and I, and one of us said to the other one, do you think we could live in an RV? And we were like, <laughs> maybe like that's what level we were at, like joking about it. Yeah. Um, but then things got so much worse at my job. And we were like, how are we ever going to afford to live here? Like I did, I wasn't ready to move back in with my parents, you know, like it was just all those massive life decisions that feel so real in the moment. And now you have a kid and like what I thought I was going to do forever, I'm not supposed to do anymore. And so I started to follow a lot of people on Instagram who live in RVs and I don't know if it was algorithm or fate, you know, I'll never know. Like, is it like, was it destiny or was it, it the doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Or is it always both? You know, yeah. I was like, started following all these people on Instagram. And then this really influential person I had followed for a while who lived in an RV. She had this huge following. The day I walked in to quit to the team that I was leading at the time at this organization, I oversaw this team. I was waiting behind a door to go in to tell them I was leaving which was already like such a traumatic experience for me. Mm. I was standing outside the door and I opened my phone and I went on Instagram and started scrolling as like a coping mechanism, I'm sure. Um, and she went live and said, we're selling our RV. Does anyone want it? And I DM'd her and I said, we do. And then I walked in the room and I quit. Wow. And afterwards I called my husband and I was like, hey, I, I don't know if we're ever going to like actually live in an RV, but if we do, I put my name in this hat, but like she has 500,000 followers. So like, you know, I'm not going to hear from her, but just so you know, I, I messaged her, you know, like, uh, yeah. and so I, I, I sent that to her and my husband was like, you know, laughing on his long commute in home from downtown LA. And we got home and like 10 minutes later, we got an email from her that said, you're number 11 on the list. If you want the trailer, you need to decide tonight and you have to put a cash deposit tonight and I'll let you know when it comes to you. Oh my gosh. And so we were like talking to each other back and forth, like what is happening in the world? And I, you know, this story, I could tell a story for five hours, but 
The point here is I love that in so many people's marriages, they talk about these like big decisions that they've been Mm. thinking about for years. Like we've been thinking about this for years. We sought counsel, like we've been praying. People say all these things, but like sometimes in your life, someone emails you and is like, you have 30 minutes to decide. You just have to do this. Like, what do you do? You know, like, and so Danny and I are just looking at each other like, what, uh, you know, and we get the email that had come to us and it said like, you have 30 minutes to decide if you want this RV. And we were like, do we seriously take a chunk of our savings, buy an RV, live in 180 square feet with our tiny child. A really sweet part of that story is that we have a really close friend. She's single in her forties and incredible. And she owns this big house in Monrovia, which is right by Pasadena where you are. Yeah. Um, and she has this giant backyard and we had parked our old RV there a couple times. And she had jokingly said to us, Hey, if you ever want to park your RV back here, you can. And I had said to her one day, okay, so we can live back here and made some joke about it. And she was like, of course. And then that night when I got the email, I called her and I said, Hey, um, I only have 30 minutes to decide, can we actually live in your backyard? And she said really sweetly, will all your parties be at my house? Oh, what a good friend. Yes, I said they will be. And she said, sounds good. Come on back. And so I got to email them and say like, yeah, we'll take it. So we, over the course of the next 30 days, sold 90% of what we owned and moved into 180 square feet. My husband and I each had 20 hangers across. My daughter had one tub. And we sold everything. I mean, the world's largest garage sales. You will never know how much stuff you have until you have to sell all your stuff. You know, I mean, like the amount of cups we all own, astronomical. Like if you counted your cups right now, you would die. You would have a heart attack, right? You'd say like, oh my gosh, I own 107 cups. Like no one thinks that they own that until you're only allowed to each have one cup. So I love that story. And you're so right that so many of us hang on to these some days and what ifs. And acting upon them isn't just, I think, important for the sake of that thing, but it's important for the trajectory that it sets you on. Yes. And the freedom, in your case, that it allows. The audience has heard this if they've been with us for a while, but we had a similar thing. My husband had a a health crisis, and it was a four-hour drive from the clinic that he was at to his drive home. It was a rare kind of thing. He's fine. He's just something that he's dealing with is a neuromuscular issue. And by the time he got home, I had concocted that we were going to pull our three kids out of school and travel so that we could condense all these things that we wanted to do into the next year because he was going to be impacted health-wise. Yes. And I fully thought that he would walk in the door say, let me pour you a glass of wine. Like, it's been a rough night and just laugh it off. But instead he was like, that's a great idea. And we did it. Same thing. It was kind of on a whim. Wow. And it has become a pivotal thing in our family story. So I I get it. And I only share that to validate what you're saying and to shout out to the listeners, like, do those things now. Tell those stories now. Yeah. And what's crazy is I think we, we impulsively spend money, but we don't impulsively create experiences. Mm. Stories over stuff is like a whole philosophy of mine, obviously as a storytelling coach. And that's a part of the conversation Danny and I had was like, if this all sucks, we're still going to be glad this is our story. In retrospect, we're never going to say, oh, good thing. Everything stayed the same. You know, (laughs) we're going to say like, Glad we sold everything and we tried it and we did our best. And then the thing we were worried about happening, us living with our parents or finding a tiny apartment, that thing would still happen, you know, if it went south. But at least we tried this middle magical thing. And the most surprising thing for both of us was we loved it. You know, that's that's where people still are like, can you ever imagine going back? And we're like, yeah, we could move back into an RV tomorrow. We did the thing. Yeah. I mean, and now we we saved for two years and now we live in a mansion, an 850 square foot <laughs> mansion in Orange <laughs> County, California. So now we just like walk around the house with our arms out. Yeah. You know, you can just, there's so much room. You can leave a pile of clutter and nobody dies, you know, like all the things are available and open. So just don't re-inherit the hundred and whatever cups. That's exactly. the way. Do not go back to that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, exactly. Well, so thank you for sharing that because I think it gives us a little bit of background. And I love that you said this philosophy of story over stuff. And that's your next book. I'm just going to put that out there. You need to write that book. You've told us the things that you do with people. How very practically does one work with you? I know that, you know, you mentioned you're a speaker and you're a coach and on Mm -hmm. your website, I see that you have workshops and you even have a free downloadable tool, but Mm -hmm. what are those mechanisms that we can come in and explore and work with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, a course called Own Your Story on my website right now that you can go and find. I'm currently working on a brand new course that's going to come out towards the end of the year this year or fall. Um, but I'm recrafting an entire course that's basically the workshop that has been really successful with companies and I'm recondensing it into a workshop. So I'm doing that one right now. But yeah, really what we do together is identify your core stories from your life. So let's say you're just an individual powerhouse woman and you're like, Katie, I'm not totally sure what to talk about or when, you know, because for all of us, what's wild is for every single person, the stories that are the hardest to find are your own. It's very easy for you to say to a friend like this thing, that thing, that amazing thing that happened to you, that thing you did, these are all incredible things. But in the Own Your Story course, which you can find on my website, we go through a process called story mapping. And it's where you look back on your life and you identify seven key moments and you ascribe value to them. So here's what I mean, an event, is a micro story and a value is a macro story. So you want to move your stories from micro to macro. It looks like this. If you have an experience, you need to ascribe value to it. So for example, a woman comes to me and she says, Katie, I'm gonna be a breast cancer speaker. I survived stage four breast cancer. I'm gonna become a famous breast cancer speaker. I need help writing my story. And I'm like, that's great. What did you learn from breast cancer? And then she's like, oh, resiliency. And I'm like, good, you're a resiliency speaker. That's what you are. Because I can't come into your story on breast cancer. I've never had it. Hmm. But I can come into your story on resiliency through your path of breast cancer. So we have to figure out how to open our story gates wider and wider and wider. Because if we keep it just at events, then what we do is, you know, it's like me talking about the RV. Very few people have ever sold everything they own. But everyone can come into my idea of simplicity or the idea I have of experiential learning, or how I feel about the fact that stuff doesn't last. Those kinds of things anyone can come into because those are the values I've ascribed to those events. And that's really the work we have to do as women because especially, I mean, your audience I feel so strongly about, and maybe that's just because that's who I've worked with the most over the last four years, but I feel like women over 40 and 50 and 60, they have a Rolodex mm -hmm. of stories that people need. You know, like, and then the platforms that we're hearing the most, I mean, just totally transparently are women in their teens and twenties and they're telling us all they've learned. Yeah. And that's fine. But what I need is a mom of a teenager to tell me what the hell do I do right now with my six and four year old? <laughs> you know, like I need like a parent who's ahead of me. I need a female business owner who's hitting eight figures. Like I need these people in my life who are like, this is how I did it. And I did it over the course of 15 years not just overnight successes or cool ideas or something I've reshared, you know, I need like true experiential storytelling from older women, you know, and I'm saying that from me, you know, I, I haven't broke the 40 barrier yet, but as a 30 something, that's what I'm begging for. You know, I need yeah. to hear these stories from these women who have these incredible experiences. So you identify some key stories and then we figure out kind of how to tell them and what that format looks like. And that's something called the hero's journey by Donald Miller. Mm -hmm. If you haven't looked up Donald Miller, he's amazing. And has, he's like a story. He's the story guru. Yeah. Love Donald Miller. But he's yeah. got a lot of books and courses and things anyone can download. And that's kind of figuring out who's the hero in your story and who's the mentor. And then we go through what type of storyteller you are um, and then help you kind of figure out the storyteller successes from each one of those things. So some people are really long-winded. Some people are circle talkers. Like they say things like, why did I start saying this? They're kind of like chasing a tangent, like I squirrel. Think I think that's me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And all of us at some time are all of them, you know? And then we go through this idea that there's the big three C's of storytelling, which are context, conflict, and conclusion. And everyone has one of those things they're not great at. And if you can get better at one of them and then keep doing the one you're good at, you can tell a more complete story where you say what happened, what you almost was worried was going to happen or what almost went wrong or what you overcame. And then you land it with a value-based conclusion. And now I know, and now I can see, and because of this, we, and now you can really lead someone somewhere. So we go through those three C's and kind of complete the circle so that there's a really simple formula to creating more effective stories. And some of the stuff in Own Your Story and some of the courses that I offer is just like, creating confidence of sharing your own story, like understanding that your stories matter and that it's valuable and important. So yeah, that's all a part of it. In perusing through your website, it was interesting. I expected to find the corporate and the, if you want to be a speaker and if you want to tell a story based on whatever your work is, but I was surprised to see things like being able to to give a toast, like a holiday toast or a wedding yes. toast, that you've really broken it down for people who don't know how to introduce themselves, don't know maybe mm -hmm. how to give their elevator pitch of their business, yeah. whatever. So how do we access you for those things? Is that in the workshop? Is that part of the workshop? 
Holiday toasting is its own super affordable guide. Like I think it's like 20 bucks. And that okay. is just like, if you want to give a toast as a host, here is exactly how to do it. And that actually came from the fact that I was emailed and texted and called more in like one summer of people who were like, hey, my cousin has to give this toast and he's never spoken in front of anyone. And they said like, everything says make it a story, but we don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait, this is so easy and I can help anyone give a really great toast. So that feels like such a home run thing, but it's also like, Toasting is is actually really sacred. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you've read Priya Parker's The Art of Gathering. No. Oh, t- definitely get it. It's amazing. Okay. But she talks all about how like what we need is a generation of people who know how to bring people together and say what matters. Mm. And that is like what toasting is. Toasting is like, hey, we're all here because it's your birthday and you matter to us. And that little thing is so important somehow, you know, we're just in this world that's kind of bumping into each other and we have to like create space and really say like really important things in front of other people. It seems kind of silly, but I actually really value toasting and I am a big birthday toaster. And if you're in my close friend group, we have a very strong culture of the birthday toast. So if it's anyone's birthday, everyone's (laughs) toasting. And that's that. There's no way around it. I mean, my husband is a diehard introvert. So like, please know that. And he's still raising his glass. You know, we're like 10 years into this. And people who have left our friend group have texted me and moved away and said, like, everyone's gotten a toast on their birthday since I met you. It's just like a part of me and who I am. So that's why it's in there, too. So, yeah, people can connect on that. There's a toasting guide uh, and there's own your story, a storytelling course. Okay. That's awesome. I just want to make sure people have context as to like, is this for me? And then of course they'll know how to access you. And listeners, we will have all the books that Katie is shouting out in the show notes. Okay. So you mentioned something about being a long-winded storyteller. (laughs) So what is the value of telling our story concisely or quickly? I think some of it is audience specific. So for some of us, especially when we're like with our husbands with a glass of wine on the couch at night, I mean, talk as long as you want. No one cares, right? He's there. He's not going anywhere. But for some of us, we're in meetings or we're in a pitch session or we're trying to convince someone to do something. In those scenarios, we have to figure out how to create a concise narrative um, because if you want people to do something, you have to make them feel something. This is a core truth. Mm. So you have to figure out what that story is, evoke emotion so that you can lead to change. And those moments are where we have to start to break it down, especially for a lot of people, men and women, I've seen this in the corporate space over and over again, they are talking and talking and convincing and convincing and convincing, and then they lose the room a little bit. And so they double down. No, but trust me, here's all the reasons again, even though I just said them that you should listen, you know, and then they're just saying the things over and over and over again, while people are just nodding and looking at them instead of calling to action, cutting themselves off, instead of saying, you know, instead of pulling the parachute socially and saying, okay, what's next? Who's in? There's like this, this moment in time where people just tend to overexplain because it's really, it is hard to land the plane in storytelling. That's some of what we go through uh, in some of my courses, but you know, people will chat and chat and chat and chat. And they're like, so, oh yeah. And I know. And then that reminds me of a time when, I mean, all of us, I'm sure have had that moment where we're like, am I still talking? Yeah. You know, and you're the one talking and everyone's still looking at you. And you're like, what do I do now? You're sweating a little bit. You're sweating. And you're like, I think everyone's lost. I think they're all gone. So I think kind of creating moments where we can concise down our words, and that's through context, conflict, and conclusion, figuring out those three things and how we kind of identify what they are in the process. But one of the things that I get to say in in corporate workshops a lot, especially because in corporate settings and in work environments, you often know who the really long talkers are. You know, they're like pointing to their boss in the room, like, you know, it's them. And they're like, kind of like, oh, no, you know, I tend to talk for 40 minutes in one meeting. Um, So those kind of conversations are happening. But I get to tell people all the time, like, There's two magic words if you're a long talker. And those two magic words are, so anyways, like you have to cut yourself off. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, if you try really hard to rap beautifully, you're going to talk for 10 more minutes. And when you've lost a room, you need to quit. You don't need to try to get them back. I've just found that what works the best is, so anyways, what about you? When you turn it on somebody else with a question and you cut yourself off with a so anyways, you will create the greatest social channel. So if you're going through your pitch or talking about your elevator speech or you're pitching your business or you're talking about some crazy thing that's happened in your life and you're like, oh no, I've been talking for a long time and I can tell I'm kind of losing them. You can say, so anyways, has that ever happened to you? That's great. You get to pass it off. That's a great tool. My only thing is the people I know, probably myself included, 
that can be long-winded in those situations are completely clueless about <laughs> being long, long-winded. So I don't know if the so anyways will occur to them at the appropriate time. Maybe we should make signs yes. that just say so anyways and hold it up for them. <laughs> Here's your safety. Yes, exactly. Like a little wink and a nod or like an ear tug, yeah. you know, like, oh, what is that? Maybe you cue your friends like, yeah, and what about you? You know, you redirect it to somebody else or you bring yourself into the story or whatever you can sure. to kind of create those environments. But yeah, condensing information is so important just because we're, I mean, the sad news is we're in a time when people's attention spans are like seconds. Um, and that's really yeah. difficult and hard. But I, I tell people all the time, we have to be really quick in our stories and slow in our listening. Um, and those are two totally different skill sets, but we actually need to listen for a long time to other people's stories if we want to be a good storyteller. I mean, there's amazing quotes, like the greatest stories are told by people who hear them. Mm. The three magic words I get to tell my clients all the time are tell me more. Like if you can become an active story seeker, you will become an exceptionally better storyteller. If you are asking people all the time, like, what was that like for you? Those three magic words are so valuable that they can really create such incredible storytelling experiences for each other that you get to really receive and hear. And that's the entire gift of my job is that I get to talk to these people all the time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is incredible. This is amazing. And they're like, well, I don't know, you know, because it's their own story. They don't know yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're like, I just lived this thing. So they're really in that process through it. That's such a unique experience. So really listening and receiving and asking is huge. I would imagine that they go into that situation with you thinking they're going to get this product, this concise story. But in fact, I bet they're sort of blown away by the ego boost that they must feel of like, wait a minute, it's a little bit of I matter. It's a little bit of I have something to say. Absolutely. It's a little bit of I can make an impact. Mm -hmm. So the benefits are far more than this product that they thought they were going to get. How does that inform how they tell other stories? Like when you create this package for them, how does that help them kind of move into the world, whether it's in a corporate setting, a one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one setting, a toast, whatever? What have you seen? Yeah, I absolutely think it's confidence. And then it's concise, confidence and concise ability, which is not a word, I just made it up, but like the ability yeah. to create concise narratives, I think are probably the two things that translate quickest. Exactly like you're saying, at its core, what the thing that I am surprised that I hear after workshops or speaking events or wherever is people who just say, oh, I've never in my entire life thought of myself as a storyteller. Hmm. And that's the first half hour of anything I'm doing is like just laying the groundwork that like, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you are actively telling stories. You are telling stories to your kids. You are telling stories about your day. You are telling stories to the people you lead. You are telling stories in your career. We are all always telling stories. It's how humans interact. It's like, here's what happened when I went to Target and here's what happened with my kid. And this is why she's having a hard time. And this is what I did in my job. And all of us are telling these narratives and if we can really actively work to see them uniquely and, and use them to our advantage, you know, as a strength, it changes a lot of the story. So you start to live different ones when you see yourself as a storyteller. How about the stories that we tell ourselves? Because again, it's occurring to me that as you're talking about all of this, that one of the most important stories is the story we tell ourselves. How do you help people over that hurdle of not just, I don't think I have a story to tell. And so they start talking and then you, Katie, pull it out of them, but to sort of believe that they're worthy of telling that story. Yeah. That confidence that you're talking about, it can be really hard to come by depending on what's going on in their life Absolutely. or what has happened in their life. Yeah. What are some of the tools that you can give us on that? Yeah. So one of the things that I get to talk about a lot is the idea that the word restore the root word of it is to restory something. And the word destroy, the root word of that word is actually to destory something. The Latin is to destory. And the Latin of restore is to restory something, which when I learned this early on in my story coaching business, I was like, oh, this is all making sense. Like when we feel restoration, it's because we experience a new narrative. We're living a new narrative. And when we experience the feeling of destruction, it's because the story we're living doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. So it is so much internal work. And that's where the story map really is helpful because you get to look back on your life and identify key values. And for some people, they look back on their life and they write down like the divorce. And the only word they can come up with is sucks. Yeah. They have no other word they can come up with it. Like their brain can't get to there. And that's where I would say like, it's time for therapy. It's time for connection. It's time for processing. It's time for space to figure out. You have to restory that thing 
in order to give it value Mm. because you have learned something from it. You are better for it, but you have to take the time to figure that out. And that is the work. You know, that's the hard, deep work. That's why I've been in therapy. That's why, you know, we have these conversations to be like, wow, I have to restory this thing. And then some parts of our lives, we have no idea what the story is going to mean. We're still in it. Yeah. You know, and I totally have been approached by people and been like, I have this really amazing story to tell. And then the second they start talking about it, they're sobbing hysterically. They're like, and I'm like, okay, if there's still lawyers involved, we should probably, it's not time, you know, like, <laughs> let's just wait a minute. Hold off on that. Yeah, it's not time. So another core philosophy of mine is that stories are born at just the right time. And we don't know when that is. I don't have a good answer for that. Some people like come to me and they're like, I've been sitting on this for 10 years and some people are like, I just started feeling better last month. And I'm like, okay, well, let's figure that out together. Aside from the corporate work, who's your number one client? Like the type of person, what are they looking for? I have brought on one and I'm working on bringing on three more story coaches under me because my private coaching business is full. But the people that I have found the most connection and success with are high level female business owners. Mm -hmm. People who are like leading organizations and like, oh, whoa, I woke up one day and realized that I don't ever talk about myself and this is my thing. And interestingly, one of the things we're seeing that I'm loving is that generationally, a perfect example is I work with a company and the female CEO oversees 250 people. A hundred of them are under 25, really young staff. Okay. The staff, the younger staff, because of the era we're in of social networking and exchange of information, when they feel they don't know the leader, they trust them less because what we're used to is knowing everything about everyone. Yeah. She's private. She's like, I don't want to tell anyone about my life. This is my life. You know, I've just been building this business, this multi-million dollar business over the last five years. Like, I don't want to talk about it. But I'm like, oh, wait, you actually do have to talk about yourself and your story so that your team trusts you. And that is a fascinating shift in culture that these, you know, this younger generation is like, wait, do you have kids? Where'd you grow up? What are you all about? Who are you? You got a dog? They're like, well, you know, who cares about any of that? I'm like, oh, they do. Because what they're used to is being led by people who they can see behind the curtain because there's a real need for like authenticity and transparency. So then we get to craft kind of her story and what her story looks like in her brand and stuff like that. So I'm a little guilty of this. And I've had people on my team challenge me with, hey, you're not showing up enough. And then I'm like, yeah, but I'm not really the brand. I'm behind the brand, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So there is some tension there, but I would say it's not even, it's not just the younger generation. I would say even an audience, and I'm talking about podcast and social media and and platforms of communicating who we are. But there is a need for people to be like, where's the Oz, the fake Oz there? Like, who's running this show? Why did they do this? You know, what is compelling them? How do you help us think about that tension? Like, there is a brand there, but there's a founder of that brand. How do you balance those things? Yeah. Um, I think there has to be a a unique brand story and then a unique founder story. And both of those things are allowed to coexist. So the brand that you, you know, created and the world that you exist in gets to have its own narrative, but that narrative is inextricably linked to you. So you get to become a part of that narrative as well and talk more about who you are and your own story and your own journey. And then I would just double down on your team. I would say, you know, I want to know about more, more about you and your own story and what you've experienced. And that only elevates the brand as a whole to me, you know, because any faces behind, you know, names is so helpful in connection and creating authenticity and all of that. So, and then some of it too, especially I think with businesswomen who build great things, there always is the feeling like, but who cares about my like (laughs) random, what book I read? Nobody cares. You know, you really do have to think of them as like little coins. You're just putting in a piggy bank of trust, you know, like here's a little behind the scenes on my day. Like here's my favorite coffee. Like here is really just putting those tiny things. And then sometimes it's a really big coin. Like I experienced this really traumatic thing and I've never told you all about it. And I just want you to know that this is what happened to me and this has shaped me and it shapes the brand to this day. And here is a part of my story in a big way, you know, and then you get to drop a bomb. Like I'm going to write a blog on that crazy thing that happened in my life and I'm going to tell everyone. It just builds so much trust and connection and authenticity. And people really love to love people more than they love to love a brand. And so when you can do that tie really well, it works. And is that something that you help people do? Yeah. I mean, it might be someone on my team or it might be somewhere along the way. But yes, there's that's definitely something we can do is find the amazing stories and help craft them. I think because we've been running this podcast before I made the pivot of focusing on the 40 plus, we have a lot of listeners who aren't necessarily here for that. They've sort of transitioned into that, but they're here more for the entrepreneurial piece of it. So I think it's, it's good for them to know how they can access your expertise. 
in talking about our own stories and getting over that hump, yeah. if, if we feel like there's a conflict between our own stories and where we are, there's something that's a little bit tricky about this particular season of life that a lot of women perhaps took some time off. Mm. One of the stories they're trying to figure out is if they're re-entering the workforce, if they're launching a business, whatever they're they're doing, is sort of assigning some personal meaning to that season for the sake of a resume. I mean, it's filled with personal meaning and satisfaction. They raised yes. humans. Yes. But it's hard from that point of view. How do you close that gap or figure out that gap? So I did an event called The Comeback with an organization called The Mom Project, which I'll send you all this stuff so you can have it in the link okay. in the show notes and stuff. But they did a two-day event just on how in the world do we come back after we've had a break? Like, what do we talk about? How do we say? How do we explain it? And so I did a whole session for them on like how to talk about your time off. Like, what words do you use? How do you feel confident in it? And so there's a, a blog I have called The Seven Sentences to Streamlining Your Story that they have um, that I'll send over to your team. But I love this question because I think culturally we're figuring it out. I think COVID really yeah. helped because I think a lot of people took off time during COVID. So I think that people are catching on that like really great people just take four years off work and then come back. Yeah. And that's just fine. It's not a knock, you know, it's like, oh, they had a different priority for a minute, you know, and I think that we're kind of figuring that out. But I do truly believe that coming into an interview or a resume or a conversation confident in your past decisions is vital. Because I see people all the time who are like, oh, it just got really hard and I didn't know. And so I did. And then I was gone and I'm so sorry. And I'm here and I'm still good. And I promise. And that's the, that's truly the story they're telling as opposed to, I was an exceptional marketing director for eight years. I took three years off, raised my beautiful kids. So happy to be back, stayed fresh the whole time. And now I feel like I have a renewed sense of energy and purpose. And I can't wait to join your team. That's a totally different narrative, you know, than right. like apologetically confused versus confidently re-entering. Exactly like you said, the hardest narrative is the one you first have to craft inside. Do you believe you are capable again? Mm. And that is so freaking hard. Yeah. I have a friend right now with a new baby and she came over and sobbed in my backyard couch and was like, I seriously, I don't even know if I can work anymore. And like three years ago, I was the head of marketing for a multi-million dollar company. She's like, I don't even know if I know how to do anything yeah. anymore. And I'm like, oh, every single mom I've ever met felt just like this. I don't know anyone. You know, I started a business from scratch after a newborn born too. And I got back into the workforce and I was like, wait, are people going to pay me to work again? <laughs> you know, it's just, all of that is so hard, but you really have to kind of get your start. I mean, I tell moms all the time, like if you're coming back, start interviewing anywhere that will say yes, just so you can get good at interviewing, not because you need that job. Right. Like you need to just practice telling that story in like an interview with Amazon and whoever you're interviewing with, because it will help get your reps in, you need to build that confident voice, that confident narrative in order to come back. Because it's so true that those pivots, they really make us better at our jobs. And I think companies are realizing that, um, but it's going to just take a little time. Same question, but what about the mom who hasn't just taken off the three or four years kind of when the baby's young, but who has mm -hmm. taken off the 15 years, you know, mm -hmm. who made a decision to, to take on a different job? essentially. And now yeah. she's looking for a job that pays money. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your suggestions for that story? I mean, I think I love exactly what you just said. So I love that you said I had a different job for 15 years and now I'd like to do this one. And I think that that really is what it is. You know, I, I think kind of creating in those environments like, yeah, we all know no one works harder than a stay at home parent. Yeah. You know, anyone who's a parent knows that that's true. That reality is there. You know, my husband is a full-time stay-at-home dad and then does some stuff for our business, you know, when they're at school. But that's his primary role is full-time stay-at-home dad. And that conversation, I think, is so incredible as we process that with other people. So I think if, even if it's been 15 years, I think getting that muscle back through interviewing, through resume writing, through conversations, getting really well-connected in specific networking groups. Like the Mom Project is a great example. They have so much information on that. Um, and then like some women's networking communities and this one, you know, communities connecting sure. to each other to say like, how have you done this? What does that sound like? And then really rehearsing through that story. Like, yeah, I was the head of this thing. I did this job and I did this. And then I took off 15 years to have a different job and the most important one I'll ever have. And that actually worked out really well. The kids are doing great. And now I'm ready to come back in on this side of the workforce and jump into my next role. People usually respect and care about your story as much as you are willing to. Oh, that's great. Let's talk about the work thing a little bit. Let's assume that these women get these jobs. Yeah. One of the things that you do, as you mentioned earlier, is you work in corporations. 
if you're not the CEO, if you're not the head of marketing, what are the ways that the mm-hmm. teams need to build that story muscle and for what sake? How does that manifest itself? Absolutely. So I worked with a company in the last couple months who they only hired me to work with their executive level team on their internal presentations because they were awful and people were bored. These people are very, very, very high level and people were leaving like, I'm so bored. And then I got deep enough in this company that is this massive global conglomerate. And I find out nobody likes these things. Nobody wants to go to business reviews. Nobody likes to listen to them. Nobody likes the slide deck. Nobody likes what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, so often in organizations, like meetings, presentations, pitch decks, white papers, all these corporate terms, all these things that people are exchanging back and forth, the receiver doesn't care and the teller doesn't care. Mm. And that's where I'm like, oh, there was a story breakdown. We lost it. Let's throw the whole thing away and start over. What do you need to know And how do you get people to care? And we start to work through those environments. So what we did is we reshaped their entire quarterly business review and said, okay, what, what, the only thing I need to know is this couple things, the rest of it, you can read here. It is. It's in an email. I don't need to talk in front of you for an hour and a half and tell you every single word of something you can read. And you can kind of start to process that together. So that's one specific way. And then for companies that I just do a quick pop in workshop, they get to identify this, their personal story in connection with the brand. So for example, I worked with Zillow. I, I could end my time with what is your Zillow story? Why do you care about this brand? Why does it matter Mm. to you? Why do you love your job? The reason that that works is really unique. One, it's good for them to talk about because it's marketing. Anytime someone talks about their job, it's marketing. But number two, it actually creates retention because we believe the stories we tell. So if we tell a really good story about why we are somewhere, we feel actually more confident in our job. And companies have higher retention when their employees have a strong brand story. Sure. You know, they believe what they're saying about the work that they're doing. And then they can actually talk about it in a way that's succinct and concise and compelling. Because some people to this day are like, what do you do for work? And they're like, oh, it's just a computer. <laughs> sure. And I'm like, what do you do? You know, they're like, oh, I just, I'm, I don't you know. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, can you tell me about your normal day? What is your normal day like? You know, can you give me anything? So it's just, yeah, it kind of helps shape their personal narratives and their work story. And then they get to share in these workshops, they get to share about their personal lives with their coworkers in a way that they feel comfortable. Like, oh yeah, my dad was really important to me. And those kind of things just build trust and create connection and stronger teams. And then hopefully at the end, the hard skills that these companies walk away with is that their leaders are better at communicating. And that can solve a lot of problems. Yeah, what could be better than that? Mm -hmm, Exactly. Use that on a global level. Um, But that's another podcast. Mm -hmm. So you talked about the speaking. So a company can hire you to come and speak or an organization can hire you to come speak. The the coaching, the workshops, the e-courses. What about the listener who is trying to figure out their personal story? This is a little bit of you playing therapy, but just to make sense Mm -hmm. of things. Is there a place for them in your universe of all things, Katie? Yes, 100% that is own your story. That's the course I have on my website. It's not too expensive. I think it's, I don't know, 197 or something. Wow, that's great. It's like six sessions and it's actually a live recorded workshop that I did on specifically personal storytelling. And that is like storytelling ground rules, how to find your story. You go through a story map then you end up writing a one page on your personal story. So it's really a lot of restorative work. That's an awesome tool and one that I assume will have a ripple effect in people's lives. Like it will open up Mm -hmm. so many other things. Let's talk a little bit about this particular season of life, which again, you are, you are just about to hit, but Mm -hmm. what are some tools and maybe, you know, you can pull from the workshop or some other things you've learned along the way that in this middle third of life, there is a narrative that is a social narrative that it's kind of wind down time, ladies, like exit politely out, you know, stage left. And there is an internal narrative of, I don't know. And it could be for lots of reasons. Maybe you've tired of the work that you were doing and you're looking to pivot. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something that is really tugging on you and you're not really sure how to like go from executive marketing or yeah, middle management marketing or whatever you're doing to, I really want to save the whales. Like that's really been yeah. tugging at me. Or it's children are growing up. You've got more time. They're, you know, yeah. more self-sufficient. Perhaps they're leaving the nest. There is this weird pause, mm-hmm. which, you know, 
menopause is coincidental. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. But it works. <laughs> There's this pause instead of this ending, I think, this opportunity to redirect things, to reassess things and then redirect things. Yeah. What are some storytelling tools that we can invite into that process for ourselves? Like we listen to this podcast yeah. and you're basically saying, go journal, go write down, go do these things. What are those things? Yeah, I think some of it is like first and foremost, that emotional work. But I do think about a lot of women I, I know and love and, you know, have walked and seen go through this pause season of life. I think there is a real cultural narrative of that, like out the back door, we're all done. You know, you did your part thing that is so painful because I think it really does come up so harshly against the reality that I think in that pause season, what the work you have to do is wow, I've been through a lot and I am wise. Mm. And I think that wisdom is like such a different word than smart or clever or cool. Those are all things that are fine and we like those things, but wisdom is like hard earned mm. and wisdom helps other people get through things, you know, like true earned wisdom. And I think that that like the pause might just be like, wow, everything that I've gone up to this point has earned me like wisdom. And now that I have wisdom, what am I going to do with it? Who do I want to serve? So one of the storytelling ground rules is that my story was created not for likes, but for service. Mm. And that like core value is really important because a lot of people can hire me and say like, we need a lot of clicks on this thing. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's not the work I do. I can write something that makes people feel afraid and they'll click on it, but I don't want to do that. Right. I want to write something that really helps people. I want to do storytelling for service. And so that philosophy, if you if you think back on your life, and um, especially for women who are experiencing a pause or thinking, what, what, what happened to me that even matters? Think about one version of you who's younger and write your story for her. Like, how do you help her if there's a girl in her early 30s, late 20s, late 40s, if you're way past there, you know, who are in a season that you're like, oh, man, I wish younger Katie knew all this stuff. And I write it just for her. If I write a story just to her and say, here's what I learned, here's what I wish I knew, and here's what I get to do now. And you write down that story. Those stories are so compelling and so authentic and they work. I really think that if we write stories that serve people instead of stories that we think are going to get us the most likes, they're way more transformative. So I think identifying some of those moments from your life, identifying areas you have that wisdom, and then creating that confidence to put yourself out there, you know? And that's where it's it's so tricky. I mean, I have people all the time say like, yeah, I have this incredible story, but I don't wanna go on a stage. I don't wanna go on a podcast. I don't wanna write a book. I don't wanna do anything. And I'm like, okay, that's your choice too. It doesn't matter. But I hope somewhere, even if it's, I mean, a core story philosophy of mine is that the greatest stories are actually told around dinner tables. Mm. So that's where the, the magical storytelling actually happens. I think the most transformative stories, the stories that have shaped all of us the most is not stages, it is not podcasts, it is not books. It is dinner tables. If you can get yourself around enough dinner tables, then you can tell really transformative stories. So it's still worth the work, even if that's the outcome. Brilliant. I love the exercise of the, the younger person telling that. I think mm -hmm. that's brilliant. And you said earlier, and, and I was like, oh, we need to hang on to this in the next meeting. Mm -hmm. But earlier you were talking about all the, the Barnes and Noble of stories, but also that each of those stories is so transformative or could be transformative. Yeah. And I can't remember how you said it, but it's so true. How do we create those opportunities? And even in you saying that, whether you have a, you know, a conference to create or not, just bringing people around the table and inviting them to tell stories is so important and so valuable and toasting yes. to go back to something you said. So thank you for sharing all of that. I think you've given us so much to think about. Yeah. And I think the great lie is that we need like four people to make perfect stories and we all need to listen to them. What we actually need is like 5,000 people to get 10% better and tell their stories. Mm. We need diversity in storytelling. I mean, I, I like to think of it sometimes like Amazon reviews. Like, do you want one perfect Amazon review yeah. or do you want 10,000 reviews? Like, no, we want to hear all of them, the messy, the weird, the middle, because all of the stories on marriage help me with mine. One story on marriage doesn't help me with mine, yeah. but a huge mosaic of them is how I can piece together what works for me. So really that encouragement is like, no, we, your story is incredibly vital. I need to hear it. I don't need it to be perfect. I don't need it to be crafted exactly. I need you to have the confidence to say it in a space where I can hear it. And if we could just do that over and over and over again, you know, we can really help each other as women in our narrative journeys and how we're crafting things and in events like that where, wow, these incredible stories are told all around me and now I get to receive them and grow from them. You are 
a gem and we're so lucky that we got to hang out with you. I'm excited for people to get to know you and the work that you're doing and to participate and to, you know, take one of the workshops or do some one-on-one work with you. But before we let you go, I have to ask you how this work, what started out as something that your husband and your parents are like, well, isn't that cute? How has that (laughs) work as a speaker, as a coach, and really, I would say as as a, a movement, like what you're doing is really helping us to think internally as well as externally about the value of story. How has that yeah. liberated you, the woman, Katie? Yeah, I think it's easy to tell someone else to t- say their story. It's harder to say your own. And I think that's even true for me. You know, it's easier to tell someone like, oh, that's so great. That's so incredible. I love that thing. But then the really hard parts of my own life, you know, when those things come up, I'm like, oh, this is the work I do. I got to talk about this thing. Like this is a real thing for myself as well. And that the areas that I have been liberated in my own life, like, I mean, and that's the perfect question to ask anyone is just what areas have you experienced liberation? And that's a story gold mine, you know, like, what does that sound like? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And I think the areas of my life that have experienced liberation, I get to become more and more confident in them, even if that story doesn't have a nice bow on it. Yeah. You know, you're allowed to tell it even if you're in kind of a messy part of it. And that story of liberation, whatever that looks like for you from family or from religion or from communities or from spaces where you feel trapped or from somewhere that kept you small, whatever those things are, experiencing that liberation is really a powerful story. So I think for me, it's just my own conviction that I get to be the one to tell it too, even though all day I could tell people I need to hear it. So I think it's just a little bit of both. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for telling a little bit of your story and helping us to figure out how to craft and tell our own. I appreciate you so much and and your time today. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear your audience's stories. Absolutely. I I have a feeling you just might be hearing some of them sooner than later. (laughs) And Liberty listeners, as always, thank you guys for hanging out with Katie and me, and we will talk to you next week. Bye for now. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcast and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to move into your middle third with intention. Liberty Road is created by executive producer Netta Jones, supervising producer Elizabeth Windham, producer Julia Windham, and music by Jack Jones. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.